Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is season two of Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. If you're dating one of us, it's like you've got another one for free, like that you just have to feed and like look after. And then if you mess with one of us, then you've got another angry sister that you have to deal with as well. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. This week we're talking to Anna Vakili. She's very clumsy and dopey. She's always spilling something over in the kitchen or breaking something, like constantly walking into walls. And her little sister, Mandy Vakili. If you know her, then you'll love her. But if you don't know her, you might not. You know what I mean? Sisters on a mission. No, I feel like there's not enough Middle Eastern people that speak up because of their community and they're worried about being judged or spoken about. It's quite closed off. But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. It's weird, we've always shared money our whole life, so... We've always had one bank account, so it's worked out well for me. <laughs> We've always struggled a lot. Me and Maddie shared a bed up until Love Island. So, yeah, things have definitely changed a lot. <laughs> Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Anna and Mandy grew up in London, sharing everything from day one. Brought up by Iranian parents, the girls have a very clear sense of their dual identity. We talk about that, about racism since 9-11, about parental ambition and the fuss created when pharmacist Anna took part in the TV show Love Island, which effectively launched their careers as influencers, which explains this noise. But Anna started by confessing to a row they'd had just the other evening. You know what, me and Mandy just on the weekend had a big argument because I was like talking about her relationship and her boyfriend. And if anyone criticises or gives her any type of advice about her relationship, she just absolutely goes crazy. She's very (laughs) defensive. (laughs) Even though it's the big sister, that's kind of your right. Yeah, I'm just giving her normal advice, but she suddenly becomes defensive. And then, then like literally within a few hours, she's like, you know what, you were right. I'm like, well... I feel like I can bitch about my boyfriend or when somebody else does. I'm like, what the hell did you say? (laughs) Um, But in that moment, I just got really defensive. But in hindsight, she was probably just like loves me and giving me the right advice. Yeah, it's a funny thing with sisters, isn't it? Even when you know it's good for you, sometimes you feel really annoyed when they say it. It was quite embarrassing, actually. So it was like in front of everyone. Oh. (laughs) Did you have a, a proper row? Yeah, like really, obviously a bit tipsy on wine. Like wine does not suit me at all. It makes me super aggressive. (laughs) So tell me what it's like being her older sister. Is it an easy gig? No, it's definitely not easy. I feel like I'm constantly trying to like stop her from making mistakes or having like her no filter opinions. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the main problem we always have when we like go out she's like Manny why did you say this why did you say that or like don't do this on your Instagram don't do that on your Instagram I'm like Anna me having no filter on my Instagram is what made me me yeah it's your brand yeah exactly 
<laughs> I feel like when we go out, everyone always thinks I'm the older one. But when you get to know us, she's definitely the older one. She's like quite protective. Why do you think when you go out, everyone thinks you're the older one? Because I'm like loud um, and I'm just like out there and I'm crazy. Whereas like Anna's a bit more shy when like we go to social events. But if you get to know us, like she's actually the one that bosses me around. Yeah, I'm definitely the typical older sister. Um, I'm more res- um, In some ways, I'm more responsible. I feel more protective over her as well. Do you? That's interesting. In what way? In the way, like, if we're out and about and boys come near her, I'm a little bit more protective over her. Or if anyone says anything to upset her, I'm just more protective. Like, I think, like, how old sister would be. And what about when you were on the island? Did yeah. you feel that that was flipped a bit? Because she got a bit protective of you, didn't she? Exactly. So in that situation, it was a bit different because, like, I was in a quite a vulnerable situation. I was closed off from the world. So she felt like she was kind of having to protect me. Mm. And I know that's how she kind of made a name out of herself by just going crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it was really difficult because I couldn't protect her or defend her because she was, I mean, in a different country and she couldn't speak to me. I couldn't be there for her. So I kind of lashed out on Instagram. Mm. In some ways, her appearance on Love Island has paved the way for both of you to do the jobs that you do now. But was there ever a point when she was doing it that you thought, oh my days, this is not good? No, I never. I Honestly, all I thought was like, I just want her to make it like to the end. And she basically was there from day one to maybe three, four days before the final. So she literally did two months there. And I was so proud of her. And she even said to me, every time I was standing in the lineup. And there was like a, what was it, an elimination or someone was getting kicked out. She goes, I'll just think, oh my God, Mandy's going to kill me if I get kicked out. (laughs) So you believed in her? Yeah, I was like, Anna, look, every day you're in there, the better it's going to be for your career. So you have to just try and like survive. I know it's going to be torture. And it's crazy as well. It's a totally crazy existence. Exactly. It's not, isn't the kind of abnormal existence as well, isn't it? Like, you know, you're on a show, you know, you're being filmed. It's like everybody's like dumping someone, snaking someone, coupling up with someone. It's just an unnatural atmosphere. So I think most people that were there from the beginning to the end, they felt exhausted when they came out. Anna was just not herself for months. She was, you know, she wasn't herself for months. But I mean, we're eternally grateful um, to Love Island and ITV for the opportunity has changed our life. Well, it has. I was going to say it gave you both a platform, right, to do what you do now. So it was all worth it, you know. You must be grateful to her as well. I mean, does she ever pull that on you? Oh, my God. No, she never does. Like, me and Anna have always, it's weird, we've always shared money our whole life. So since we were kids, we've always shared money. We've always had one bank account. So it's worked out well for me. (laughs) You still share a bank account? Yeah, we still share money. But she's never made me feel like that. And obviously inside, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and she knows I am. So you guys, what was your childhood like? Because I imagine, I might be completely making assumptions, which is not fair to make, but I'm assuming your upbringing is quite different from your reality now. Definitely. I mean, me and Mandy, we grew up like on a, on a council estate. It was quite rough. We were born and raised in London, in Camden. Quite a bad, actually, rough estate. We just came like not from an easy kind of childhood. I remember not having like even two pounds to get on the bus or <laughs> so I'm very grateful for everything now like every every small little thing I'm, I've just got so much gratitude 
when we were quite like, around 12 years old, my mum moved us away from there because it was that bad. We moved to a house, but it was like quite small. We, we've always struggled a lot. Me and Maddie shared a bed up until Love Island. Yeah, we actually shared a bed and shared a room, quite a small room as well. So we've been really close, like our whole lives. We shared a bed, shared a room, always went to the same school, college, uni. We even, but even when we got jobs, we got jobs like two doors down. Luckily, I'm very grateful that since Love Island, we were able to like move out on our own, have separate bedrooms. <laughs> so yeah, things have definitely changed a lot. So when she was a pharmacist, I was obviously still studying in uni and I was working a few days a week in Boots, the chemist. So she made sure she got a job in a pharmacy, which was two doors down from the Boots I was working in. So we could basically be together, like, go to work together, have lunch together, go home together. That, that's really sweet, actually. Is it sweet or is it a bit much? No, it's, I don't know why. We're always like, obsessed with each other. We used, we used to always say, hopefully one day we'll have a job where we could actually work together and be together all day, every day, and not have to separate. And it actually happened. <laughs> And do you think that's always been the case? Did your mum say you were, you know, thick as thieves since you were really small? We used to argue when we were little. And then my mum would go crazy and she'd say, you know, she's not our mum anymore if we're not going to be talking. So she used to put pressure on us when we were little just to to make up. I think my mum is definitely, like, the person to thank for how close we are because she, yeah, she'd get so upset when we argue. She couldn't handle it. Yeah, when you're little and your mum gets upset or she says that she's not going to be your mum anymore, you're just like, What sorts of things did you used to argue about? Can you remember? Oh, like, I remember once Anna, she used to be like, Mandy, you're so good at sharpening pencils. You're so good at sharpening pencils. So I think you should sharpen all my pencils because you're so good at it. <laughs> but like, and then I'd be like, I realised that she was just using me. <laughs> <laughs> my sister used to sing um, A Spoonful of Sugar from Mary Poppins and then I would tidy her room and then she would call it magic. That was her <laughs> That's exactly the kind of thing Anna would do. <laughs> And you fall for it, don't you? When you're the little sister, you totally fall yeah, for it. Yeah, exactly. Andy used to put little notes through my door and be like, oh, can you come and play with me? Yeah, <laughs> little letters, little, little notes under her bedroom door. Because <laughs> you were so desperate to hang out. Yeah. And so your arguments have changed a little bit over the years then, from sharpening pencils yeah, now to... Yeah, like, we bicker a lot. No, we, don't, yeah, we don't argue, we bicker. Like, why the, why the hell didn't you take the dogs out? It's your turn to take the dogs out. And like, <laughs> you know, things like that, or the dishes like adult things like basically something a married couple would argue about <laughs> um how would you describe anna her um, character how would i describe anna she's hardworking. she's very wise caring um i think i'm very caring and got a big heart i'd say dopey at the same time <laughs> <laughs> dopey yeah, she's very clumsy and dopey. She's always spilling something over in the kitchen or breaking something, like constantly walking into walls. But um, but I would say like she's she's the organizer of everything. Like everything that goes wrong in our house, like the heating or the electricity or sky, she's always the one sorting it out. So do you think in that way you're the baby because you don't really take responsibility for things? Yeah, exactly. And she always uses that against me as well. Does she? That's so interesting. So how would you describe her personality? So she's a bit more like the crazy one, I'd say. She's more outspoken. I'm more like a easygoing, like quite sociable, nice, like I'm smiley. Do you know what I mean? Mandy's a bit more like if you know her, then you'll love her. But if you don't know her, you might not. If you know what I mean? 
a bit prickly? Yes. Um, she'd probably describe me as sensitive on the inside, but quite like have a, have an attitude on the outside. But deep down, I'm very emotional and just like wild and crazy. <laughs> what was it like then, your childhood, apart from sharing a room and stuff? Can you paint a picture of it? Look, I'd say it was definitely a happy childhood because our family is very close. Um, me and my sister, my mum and dad, we've got each other. We were healthy. So in that sense, it was a happy childhood. Yes, we've struggled a lot. My mum and dad both worked very hard. They both come from this from Iran to this country. So it was that in, in that sense, it was a bit, it was difficult. When did your parents come over? So my mum moved here about 35 years ago. And my dad about 40 years now. Wow, so they met here? Yeah. And how did they create a sense of their culture from home in your house in London? Did you always know that you kind of had these roots elsewhere? Um, yeah, I mean, even though I was born in England, it's very weird. I'd say I'm Iranian if someone asks me where I'm from, but culturally, um, I'm a lot more similar to English people. That's because I was born and raised here. So my mannerisms and everything and my culture and my taste and things is is more British. But I would identify as Iranian. I mean, I look Iranian. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I consider myself Iranian just as much as I... I'm, I mean, I'd probably say I'm Iranian. I'm British. But, I mean, we eat Iranian food. We went to Iranian school on the weekends. Um, we speak Farsi. So... Definitely, there was a lot of our culture during our upbringing. I do think it's quite difficult, though, for kids who are like have dual cultures and then they get taken off to sort of Hebrew school or Iranian school on the weekend or in the evenings. It's quite an extra dollop of academic work, isn't it, to ask of kids? It is. It was, and like it was like I remember it was an hour journey every time we wanted to go to Iranian school as well, and it was it was so difficult. I was dreading it every single time. But now I look back, I'm glad I did go. Because, I mean, I'm not completely fluent in reading and writing, but I can read and I can write if, if I have to, just a bit slow, just a bit broken. Mm. Um, we didn't behave very well, though. <laughs> so we kind of got kicked out of every Iranian school they sent us to. Is that right? Yeah, every single time. Like, I think it was like three different Iranian schools we went to and we just like caused so much trouble. What did you do to get kicked out of an Iranian school? We were just like always being naughty, like not listening in class, like just messing around. I think Mandy was quite naughty and it was more difficult. I mean, I feel like I was a bit of the geeky one, so I quite enjoyed studying. But Mandy, yeah, definitely. We were getting calls from the school headmaster all the time. What sort of things was she doing? She's always in detention. She's just naughty, like, you know, in class, not listening, talking, stuff like that. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
So what sort of ambitions did your mum and dad have for you? They came over here, I'm guessing, after the revolution, am I right? Yes, yes. What I'd say is, I mean, if you ever have, if you have Middle Eastern parents, you'd know that they're quite strict, um, not only on like boys and going out and stuff like that, but they were quite strict on education. We didn't really have much of a choice. We had to be either a doctor, or a dentist, a lawyer, or a pharmacist. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, pretty much. So um, they were quite strict, but I'm quite grateful about that as well now because I've always got that to back me up. You know, mm. I've always got pharmacy to back me up no matter what. Is that something that comes from the wider community? Is the Middle Eastern community kind of a close one where they'd want to tell their friends you were doing well and they would be interested yeah. in their friends' kids? Does it work like that? Yeah, they're always constantly comparing you to your cousins or <laughs> this family friend's kid is married with, with a doctor's degree. What, why are you not doing this or why are you not doing that? Yeah, it's constant comparisons. <laughs> and what about boys in your teenage um, yes, I'm guessing if your mum and dad wanted you to achieve academically and maybe get married quite early, that boys weren't really on their agenda. Absolutely. So um, I remember being in school about 17 and the girls in, in the class were talking about boys and what they were doing, like even having sex. I couldn't believe it. And I hadn't even kissed a boy. Um, so I started everything quite late. And the first time my mum ever found out that I had a boyfriend, she absolutely went crazy. <laughs> But I mean, I feel like since they've moved to this country and over the years, they've slowly become more and more open minded towards everything. I mean, look, I was on national TV kissing like about 15 men. So she's definitely more open minded now. It just took a long time and like a lot of talking. They're like a good level of strict. They were a lot more strict a few years ago, but they've kind of calmed down a little bit with their conservative ideals, especially after Anna went to Love Island. I mean, they had to because she was like kissing loads of guys <laughs> and like in a bikini every day. <laughs> so now they're a lot more relaxed. But I remember when Anna was on Love Island, my mum was going absolutely crazy. I think that's interesting because if you become more open-minded, that's one thing. But Love Island's like a step further, isn't it? Because even your average British parents might find that Exactly. Quite out there. Exactly. And you know, when I first, but to be honest, the first time when I first went on there, she didn't know what it was. So when I was on there, apparently she was going crazy. My sister had to move out for the two months that I was on there. Is it true you had to move out? Yeah, I had to leave. I feel like two months I stayed with my boyfriend at the time. Um, and when I did like go, go there, just, I don't know, pick up clothes or something, they just like start shouting. Well, my mum would start shouting. My dad was pretty chilled. What sorts of things was she up? I mean, had she been watching it? Yes, they were watching every single. I mean, they would not miss an episode ever. They were like, "Your sister's embarrassed us in the Iranian community. Everyone thinks she's a slut." <laughs> but then, since then, again, she's become more. She's open to it now. I think when I came out and um, the next door neighbors were knocking on our door saying, "Oh, can we take pictures with your daughter?" She kind of got a bit excited. So, <laughs> so do you think maybe she in a way is a product of her own strict upbringing and she's only now sort of exactly. letting go a little bit I feel like everyone's just a victim of their circumstances really or they they are what they're born into most of the time so it's just been it's been a long process but every single I can say every year it's just better and better and you did say I think I read somewhere that your dad misunderstood Love Island too and put notes in your suitcase can you tell me about that Oh, yes, 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 yes. I remember. Um, he was giving me like political advice, like that I should say on TV. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he gave me like loads of little notes saying, good luck, make sure you speak about all these political issues. 
I was like, um, I don't think that's going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to quite win you the popular yeah, vote, maybe. Exactly. But that said, there is a, a kind of um, political statement to be made. Like, you are representative of something when you're on Love Island, right? You're mm-hmm. representative of a certain kind of body shape. You're representative of certain background, culture, upbringing, perspective. What did you feel your kind of role model, if you want to call it that, job was on the island? I do feel like there's not enough like representation of Middle Easterns on TV, reality TV. I also feel like I would love to represent women that are, you know, educated and can at the same time be sexy and do fun things like Love Island. And it doesn't mean that you're dumb or, you know, that you you can't be smart and sexy. So I'd love to represent that. I also feel like, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a plus size, but compared to a lot of the contestants that usually go on to Love Island, they're usually like a size zero to a size eight or 10. And I was like 12 to 14 when I was on there. So that as well, it's a mix of things, you know? So you two, you know, you've got this platform now, I was talking about it with Mandy, that was sort of created by Love Island, but has been seized by both of you. How do you see your role? Like, do you see yourselves as two women with a mission? And if if there is a mission, what is it? So I feel it was always our dream to be able to work together and do things together. And we've done a lot of like fashion edits and things like that together, but we wanted to kind of showcase our personality more because um, so we've got we, a lot more to say than to show. I think. So we're actually starting our own podcast, which is really exciting. It's going to be me and Mandy and it's called Sisters in the City. And we kind of want to just put it out there that women, just because you're in your thirties or your late twenties, Mandy's going to be 30 soon. Um, <laughs> doesn't mean that you have to get married and have kids. You can still be dating. You can still be single. It's it's be- there's no timeline for anything in life. Is that something that came from your mum then, this idea that you would get married and um, settle down quite young? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Even to this day, every time I see my mum, she's always asking me, you know, why, why are you not getting married? It's getting too late for you. And I just think anyway, because I'm 31, when you meet people around your age or you know, they always say, so, oh, you don't want to have kids or you don't want to get married. It's, it's just, society kind of puts that pressure on women anyway. Mm-hmm. And me and Mandy, we're just t- total opposite. We're still partying and we're dating and we're exploring. That's what we want to just say, let's say to women, like, there shouldn't be a pressure. You should do whatever makes you happy. And I think that is, I think that's strange. I'm 43. I thought that would have changed by now and that women your age would not feel that pressure anymore but maybe I'm completely wrong I definitely think it's probably better now but I feel like there's still a lot of work to do (laughs) especially in the Middle Eastern community right that's okay and do do people in the Middle Eastern community in this country do they talk openly about that or not no I feel like there's not enough Middle Eastern people that speak up I mean not on TV not on podcasts not anywhere you know what I mean I feel like they're quite because of their community and their worried about being judged or you know spoken about it's quite closed off we're like we're happy to be able to represent middle eastern women and do you think it's because there's ideas of shame or reputation or expectation what is it that's stopping people being free to talk it's a mix of all those things it is being judged you know being spoken about Uh, everything's very hidden and undercover and, you know, there are so many Middle Eastern women like me and Mandy, but they are undercover, like I said. In, and Middle Eastern people that are, you know, even homosexual and things like that. It's all, there's a lot of work still to do, I think, in the Middle Eastern community. Mm. And do you think that your 
you know, as as Mandy said, you know, she was on the telly every day in her bikini. That's quite extreme. Do you, do you think that you've kind of just blown open every taboo or do you think that that might work against you when you're trying to appeal to more moderate Middle Eastern women? There's obviously, there's definitely going to be a big proportion of Middle Eastern that I were like, oh my God, she's ashamed to Iranians. She's ashamed to our community. But that's exactly the reason why I'm doing it. I want to do it so for people, because I don't care about being ashamed. You know, I'm me and I'm proud of it. And how do you cope with things like when you do encounter not just, say, negativity from within your own community that might not be um, that upsetting? It might just be kind of, oh, oh, this is a bit new. But how do you cope with things like overt racism from without the community? Because you have had some fairly nasty comments made about you. You know, people do associate Middle Easterns with like terrorism or this or that, and it's horrible. Or extremism. Extre- yeah. But yeah, there's not that much recognition on racism against um, Middle Easterns. And I think that's because there's not that many Middle Easterns that are in the public eye in general. And I mean, I don't know anyone else that was on Love Island who was yeah. from a Muslim country. But I mean, I think at the beginning, it's always more difficult getting criticism. But as time goes by, it's, it's it's horrible to say, but you just kind of grow thick skin and you become more used to it. And Mandy's always been quite good. She's always been more... You yeah, know, I don't let anyone's opinion or judgment bring me down or affect my life or affect my day. I mean, there's always going to be ignorant people out there. Mandy always says if they're talking about you, then you're doing something right. Yeah, I just, I believe the most, <laughs> the most talked about people, the most controversial people are most like doing the best and they're the most popular you know, being there for each other, I'm just more okay with it now. It doesn't yeah. bother me as much. Now you don't care, do you? Yeah, I'm more immune to it. It sounds like, Anna, that Mandy's helped you be a bit more Mandy, if that Absolutely. makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and do you talk to your parents about it? Because they must have a different perspective again. 34, 35 years ago, racism was a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. I think it's a bit difficult, though, talking to parents about public opinion on you because parents actually care. Like, my mum cares about public opinion. You know, mm. it's important to her. She's and she gets really upset with about the, you know, the racism thing or, you know, if people won't like you because you're Iranian. She gets upset and she, she and it's really sad, but she feels guilty. And I'm like, mum, you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, but she's very old school. Yeah. It's a big gap, isn't it, the generation between exactly. hers and yours? Yeah, she feels guilty. She's just she feels like oh, you know, she came. To I this don't country. think it was really like this until obviously all this, um, like the nine eleven and things like that, and then the London bombings and things like that, and then people always just associated Middle Easterns with extremism. And and I remember when I worked in Boots, I used to get like at that time terrible comments from customers all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, all the time, like. I mean, I feel like with, Man- with Mandy, she's got a very, like, Middle Eastern look. She's got, like, the black hair, the dark um, eyes, dark skin. darker skin. Whereas me, I look, I have a more of a lighter, Anna, yeah. Anna I have a lighter get, complexion. Anna so, could get away with basically even saying she's English, whereas me, I'm just, it's, I'm just very obvious. I still, sometimes I, I get comments, I get remarks. Because you guys, I mean, that, when was 9-11? That was 20 years ago. So you basically, since you were old enough to sort of realise what was going on in the world. That was the story. Yeah, Yeah. when I started working in retail, and I started working in retail since I was like 16. And how did you cope with that as teenagers? You're young girls, you're really vulnerable. What would you say at the end of the day to each other? 
we've always just been there for each other and comfort each other and just and we're so lucky and blessed to have each other it's the best thing having a sister it's like your best friend and your family in one and yeah we always would try and convince other sisters and siblings to be close to be close yeah because we're there to uplift each other if one of us is down the other one's you know helping the other one Thank you to Anna and Mandy. Thank you too for listening. Have you thought about a way you could wind her up before we go and get her? Um, if I could wind her up, I'd probably say to her that the guy she's seeing is uh, going out tonight with the boys and not going to see her. And then she'll probably <laughs> go insane. She's like, what? <laughs> Their podcast, Sisters in the City, starts in January 2022. Thank you too to Tanita Tikram, who let us use this amazing song, Sound design is by Nick Carter at Mixonics and digital production by Charlotte Griffiths. If you want to see some really sweet pictures of Anna and Mandy when they were smaller or find out more about the podcast, head to the website relativelypodcast.com. Coming up, author Lucy Mangan and her sister Emily, plus the mathematician and university challenge hero Bobby Siegel and his brother Davey. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe or even better, just recommend it to your brother or sister. Your father's calling you, you still feel safe inside, only your ma's too proud. Your brother's ignoring you, you still feel safe inside. Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, I still didn't do Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.